Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. Again, Jahadi and I will be recording later in the week. I was going to do a draft-focused episode to put up over the weekend uh, with my good buddy Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, the Pistons Pulse podcast, and Sports Illustrated's Draft Digest. And we were just going to talk through some other names for the Wizards to get everybody prepped for draft week. But midway through recording, uh, Woj tweeted out, as rival executives begin reaching out to the Wizards to explore possibility of trading for All-Star guard Bradley Beal, President Michael Winger and Beal's agent Mark Bartlestein of Priority Sports are staying in close contact to discuss scenarios presented to the franchise. So, again, we heard that in the middle of the pod. So uh, the first few minutes, we'll just be talking about what the Wizards should do in the lottery and how the Pistons, you know, um, that who Bryce covers uh, kind of start off the draft and, and make a lot of the dominoes fall for, for later picks. But um, we pivot really quickly into what a trade for Bradley Beal could actually look like, uh, what they could get draft capital wise and who they should spend it on. And just maybe who, how that influences who they take on draft night. If Beal's no longer on this roster, are different names now in play? So we just kind of go through what that might mean uh, for the draft philosophy if Bradley Beal is traded. I think it's a really good convo from that context. Um, but bear with us for the first few minutes before uh, Bryce luckily checked his phone while recording. So we get into all that. And then Jihadi and I will talk about what that means more meaningfully and, and what they should do and what that means for Porzingis and stuff and Kuzma um, later in the week here. As always, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Half and Halves, Hard Deliciousness in all flavors. I even got my parents in on them this weekend uh, and they don't even really drink. So that's how delicious they are. Also brought to you, as always, by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your championship finals, info, stats, news, and scores. Obviously, finals are now over, so you can bet on MLB, UFC, boxing, tennis, uh, you know, bet on Wimbledon coming up. It's the fastest and easiest way to get all your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get in on the action today. Head to the website. Use our promo code BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Also on draft night, which may be a lot more interesting if they trade Bradley Beal for another lottery pick or something like that. Uh, we'll be doing a live draft stream. Um, so it'll be myself, Damo, from the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Kevin Broom from the So Wizards podcast and Bulls Forever. And we'll be giving you sort of real-time analysis of what the Wizards are doing, what other picks ahead of the Wizards might mean for them downstream, or who they should take, strengths and weaknesses, fit with the roster. If Beal's traded, do we care about fit? So it should be a really interesting convo. And as a way to just do some good with the podcast, we'll be raising money for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children during that live stream. Uh, so if you want to sponsor something, if you want to sponsor this particular episode or advertise something or promote something or plug something, this is your opportunity to do it. And all you have to do is make a charitable donation via the link we include in the episode description here. It'll be our fundraiser, again, for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Kids. And you can write just directly in the comments like what you want us to plug. It could be your law firm. It could be your car wash. It could be uh, your son's middle school play. I don't care. Whatever you want to talk about, just shout out to mom and dad, uh, you know, that may also listen. I don't, it doesn't matter. Anything you want to plug, 
any donation of any dollar amount will get your um, your piece said on air during the live stream. We should have a lot of ears and eyes on this. So people uh, will hear that and you'll get your money's worth. And because it's a charitable donation, it's right offable. So uh, this is a win-win for everybody. Uh, again, should be an exciting night. It's the first draft for, for Winger and company. So really exciting. And uh, we're just really looking forward to that. But yeah, let's get to my conversation uh, again with Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, Pistons Pulse and SI's Draft Digest about who the Wizards should take, what would a Bradley Beal trade look like, and then what the Wizards should do draft-wise if they trade Bradley Beal. All right, let's get right to it. All right, I have American University sharpshooter, sniper, Bryce Simon on uh, joining me here. And I mentioned this in the intro, but Bryce uh, is is the man behind Motor City Hoops. Half of, one half of the Pistons Pulse podcast, writes for Draft Digest. Uh, Bryce, thank you so much for doing this. I love our convos. We just did an hour before actually hitting record here. So I, I'm already um, enjoying the basketball talk. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man, it seems to happen with me. I'm very long-winded in general. And I'm All like, right. man, if people only knew how much conversation happened before the episodes and after the episodes, no wonder my wife gets frustrated with me when I, hey, honey, I'll be gone for an hour. I just got to record. I don't even have to edit this one because I'm a guest and then yep. I'm gone for two hours because of all that conversation. But uh, I enjoy it. And I always enjoy joining the podcast, talking hoops, Pistons, Wizards, Draft, whatever we get into, Matt. I, I think this is a really interesting one because what the Pistons do really dictates a lot of what happens for the rest of the draft. And also specifically the Wizards, I think, like the kind of players that help like either team, like they're pretty similar, I think, like the pool of guys that both teams are, are probably reasonably interested in. And we can get into that, but maybe actually let's just start there. Like we talked, we were texting about this a little bit earlier in the week. I thought it would be a good podcast episode. Uh, Bryce, who are your top three perfect guys for the Pistons? And then I'll give you mine and we can kind of talk through like what that leaves for the rest of the lottery. Yeah, I'm I'm down to two guys, Matt, okay. at this point. And I spend a lot of time, you know, I, I do draft digest work. So I'm looking at the draft in mm -hmm. general, right? And so I'm talking about second round sleepers, undrafted guys, late first. And I, I got a, like a week or uh, 10 day window where I was able to just dive into the six guys I feel like are in play. Okay. And that's the twins, Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, Anthony Black, and Jarris Walker. Those yep. are the six. And, and I have a tear break if I looked at my personal big board with those okay. six guys. I've narrowed it down to two. I, I am Cam Whitmore is the pick for me as we record on June 14th. And Amin Thompson is the next one. I could be talked into Amin. I think sure. the fit, and we can talk about some of that stuff. If you made me name a third player right now, it would probably be Jarris Walker. Okay. But I have Jarris and Taylor Hendricks a little bit like... Sure. You know, it'd be the, the little slash mark. There's a drop off. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get you. So, so those two tier with Jarris and Hendricks. And then like, I would be okay with Anthony Black or Asar mm -hmm. if we traded back with the Wizards to eight or right, the exactly. Jazz or something yeah. like that, but not at five. I think that's like totally fair. And in a perfect world, like Wizards fans wanted us to like tank down the stretch of the season. So maybe we'd be exactly where the Pistons are right now. And you know, those extra couple games like really probably cost them a, a shot at, at moving up in this draft. And like right now, if you told Wizards fans that we would have a chance at either Cam Whitmore or Amon Thompson, like everybody would be like, yes, either take it done. Like yep. we'll just we'll walk out of here happy with either guy, I think. Um, so, so that's a great position to be in uh, if you're in Detroit. I, I guess maybe let's talk a little bit why you would have Whitmore ahead of of uh, Amon Thompson just just from the Pistons perspective. 
So my kind of draft philosophy is I go by tiers first mm-hmm. and then I can then look at fits. Okay. And I just think Cam is more of a seamless fit than a min. Now I can sit here and if we wanted to talk for 30 minutes on a Thompson's fit with Detroit, I can make the arguments and the case, especially based on the intel around the kid and what I've heard in terms of he's willing to sacrifice his individual game a little bit and play mm-hmm. the role that is asked of and all that. My thing with Cam Whitmore, Matt, is I buy the shooting fully. I, I think you. he's going to knock down shots. His If you take away his pick and roll ball handler, three-point attempts, he was over 40% from three. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Pistons are going to ask him to run a lot of pick and rolls. Right. And so catch and shoot, even a little bit in isolation, one dribble, shot fake, you know, whatever. And then this kid, if the Thompson twins weren't in the draft, Matt, I think we'd be talking about Cam he's Whitmore. The as the, yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And so... He may not be the 1% athlete that Amin is. He's a top 3% or top 5. And the big question is the feel of the game, right? He's not going to be a high assist guy. I don't even worry about that as much offensively. That's what Cade Cunningham is for. That's what Jaden Ivey's for. Killian Hayes, if he's still around. My biggest worry with Cam is how good of a team off-ball defender is he? How much does that lack of feel, if it's true, affects him on the defensive end? Okay, that's fair. And is that... Because you need him to be high on that end to to bolster the guys around him? Like, is that because maybe Cade and Ivy aren't great? Or just in general, we just want a bunch of guys that are are really good if with a team concept. Yeah. So like my team philosophy is you got to have all good off-ball defenders. Like I want okay. all a bunch of guys that have at least that feel off-ball. I would almost value that as much as on-ball. Now, yeah. here's the caveat. If you tell me Kate, I I don't, you don't have to tell me Kate Kate is going to be good at that. Mm -hmm. And let's say Jalen Duran does and all these other guys around him. If you can just say, Hey, Cam, go guard this player and really just give all your focus there. Then maybe you can get away with it. Cause I do think Cam was better on the ball than off the ball. Now, because of his built, he's screen navigation is a little wonky, but I just, I always struggle a little bit with guys who aren't good off ball defenders. I want to see that. Maybe I over analyze that with a little bit. And that's really interesting because I, I still don't really know what to make of the Thompson twins defensively. Like I think oh, they should be really good, but you were also like guarding pickup basketball. So I, it's just like a really hard eval to make, but you mentioned the good feel and how that translates defensively. I think Amon Thompson probably has better feel right now. I think than Cam Whitmore does. Do you project him maybe being like a better day one team defender? Oh, that's a really good question. So here's my, no, I I would say no. And here's why people are going to disagree with me. I think Amin and Asar are, are, have insane defensive ceiling, Matt. Mm -hmm. I think both of them have really, really, really bad habits on the defensive end. And it's not even like, I'm not trying to like attack their character or who they are as kids or workers. All the Intel is insane about these kids of how great of kids they are. I cannot tell you how many possessions I've watched where they make the wrong rotation, over rotate, don't rotate, don't go defensive rebound. And I know people say, well, that's a, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And all I'm saying is those are habits, even if not on purpose, those are habits that will have to be broken. And as you just mentioned, this is going from essentially high school basketball speed to NBA basketball speed. So their heads are spinning anyway. So I just think that that real defensive potential is going to take longer than what people think. I think that's totally fair. And, you know, maybe maybe they're quick enough learners that the tools just make up for it and, and they can bridge the gap quicker than I think. But 
it's one thing to just be chasing down like a six foot two on athletic high school kid and just like, I don't have to have good footwork because I'll just block him if he gets by me. It's going to be totally different to have to even guard Jaden Ivey in practice and not just get torched all the time. So uh, I'm with you. I, I guess if Amin was like a little bit better of a shooter, I, I would be like, this is a slam dunk to me sure. personally. Um, so I, we talked about this a little bit via text. I think what you do between those two totally depends on what you think of Jaden Ivey as a playmaker. Yes. And I, I, you watch the Pistons a million times more than I do. So I'll, I'll trust you on this one. Like if, if you think he can do enough to like create offense for other people, then it's just not that important. And you can live with Cam. If you think he's a little tunnel visiony, which I thought he was in at Purdue, where I watched him more than I watched this past year, uh, I would be worried about those two guys potentially. And now maybe that's something they both just get better at. And, you know, Cam, it's like weird context and you shoehorned him in a third of the way into the year. And maybe he's got better feel than we think. I don't know. But I guess, does that worry you at all? I guess. Yeah, there's a little bit. And that's why I can be talked into him in. And that's why I can make an argument for him in. And I guess the short version is, I think Jay Nivey can thrive playing off the ball. I think he can. Sure. I think we lost a little bit of context on who Jay Nivey is as a player, at least who I see him as a player. Mm -hmm. Because Cade was hurt all year, yeah. Jaden took all of those primary handler, and it was great experience for him, Matt. Mm -hmm. It was great. He handled that stuff better than a lot of people would have thought. Sure. I don't hate the idea of Jaden almost exclusively being an off-ball second side. I'm not saying you just put him in the corner. Yeah. Don't mistake it. But he's on the second side. Kate initiates offense or a min initiates offense. And then there are enough on ball reps for a min, right? Cause essentially he's your de facto mm -hmm. second unit point guard. He starts the game starting at the quote unquote three cutter slasher, like a min so athletic. You can put him in the dunker spot if you want run pick and roll with Jalen Duran. And then, you know, a men's there to clean up. Trash. Yep. Yeah. You're okay. Or you run more in transition, whatever it is. And then let a min run this, you know, stagger the minutes. Cade goes out at the start of the second quarter. A men's been resting for six minutes. He comes in. He runs PG. Yep. I don't hate that world. And you're right. If they take Cam Whitmore, it's not all end all be all, but you're pretty much saying Jay Nivey is our second primary creator behind Cade Cunningham. I just, I don't know. I always thought about like what I would do if I coach a team, especially at like the lower levels. I would always want like two point guards out there sure. at all yep. times. And it, it would be a little less of a need for at the NBA level when you've got a couple guys that are just so high usage, it, it doesn't really matter for you. Um, but can yeah, I make one, can I add that? Please, real, please. Because I think what people question is the spacing, right, Matt? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think Cade is going to be a good shooter. Cade yeah. was essentially playing with this injury. I don't worry about in. that at all. Yeah. yeah. Jay Nivey was actually very good as a catch and shoot guy solely. Again, mm -hmm. we're talking about catch and shoot solely. You play Boyan at the four, and then, like, it's okay. My point is you can space the floor. Yeah. And here's another quick point. If this team is going to reach its potential in two, three, four, five years, Cade and Ivy better shoot better than what they've shot so far in their career anyway. So, like, the whole, oh, now you're relying on Cade and Jay and Ivy to become better shooters? Well, you're relying on that if you uh, ever anyway. want to win yeah. anything substantial. Like, <laughs> exactly. they better get better than what they've done. If Cade's a career 30% three-point shooter – this thing's go probably not going the way you want it to. Yeah, they're both not going to be there longer term anyway. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can fix that. Um, all right. So I think the top three is pretty settled in this draft, right? Um, the, maybe somebody could go crazy and take Amon Thompson or Cam Whitmore, but I would I would personally doubt that. So 
it basically comes down to what the Rockets want to do it for. Yeah. And you get whichever one of those two guys is left. I think that's like really everybody's probably next tier. It, it starts with those two. So let's say the Pistons get either Amon or Cam, whoever the Rockets don't take. And then that's Orlando at six, the Pacers at seven, and the Wizards at eight. I think realistically, they're getting somebody from that next tier of guys that you Agreed. have. Uh, you, you've got Anthony Black is a popular name with Wizards fans. Uh, Asor Thompson, popular name with Wizards fans, I think. And then it gets sorted into the guys that are like maybe more fit based. And this will be really interesting to see what this new front office really does. They've said that, look, we're not going to draft with this current roster in mind. But then you have Travis Schlenk that's come out and said something that I've always echoed on this podcast that you can't really draft best player available if they don't also have some kind of fit on the roster. So, I, I you know, maybe you're not drafting specifically for need. But they also have to make like some sense or or have some opportunity uh, with with who you go with. So so maybe that, you know, depending on the decision for for what they do with Beal and Porzingis and things like that. The last front office I think was committed to that core, and it's like all right, if you're doubling down on Porzingis, you probably wouldn't you know be you couldn't go wrong with going with Jarris Walker or Taylor Hendricks. I think eventually they rebuild. It seems like most people seem to think that's what's coming. So that probably takes those guys off the table unless you think that they're really like the two next best guys. And they may do that. You hear that, you know, Jairus is a thundery kind of guy. We've now got two guys from the Thunder. You know, maybe that means something. I guess what would you do if you were the Wizards and like who would be your kind of ideal couple guys to, to take if they're still on the board? I mean, I think I'm a Saar and Anthony Black for the Wizards. Between yep. those two guys and listening to what you just said, it almost makes me lean a little bit more towards a SAR because of the upside. And so if there is a little bit of a rebuildish sure. coming in terms of maybe Beal gets traded or something, mm -hmm. I think a SAR can be really good. I am definitely lower on him than a min. I don't, Same. some people have a SAR over a min. I can't I'm personally understand it. it. Yeah. yeah. I don't see it. Sure. I don't, I don't want to say I don't have them close because I have them relatively in the yeah. same tier, yeah. but like, I, I think it's substantial, like it's meaningful difference. But what I like about Asar, especially for the Wizards, is you can play him off the ball, right? Like that's what he's done. A lot of that cutting, all of that. But also if you want somebody that maybe has some playmaking on ball upside, there's a lot of people that truly believe in that. And he just hasn't been able to show it as much. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to clear one reason I don't, I think there's a gap. The shooting numbers aren't that different it's between a man and a star. So yeah. Here's the here's the biggest compliment people give a Sarge three point shooting is that it's better than a min. Yeah, and I'm exactly. like, but everybody hates a min shooting, so it's not even really that big of a. You're compliment. the two worst shooters in the lottery. Congratulations, yes, you're not exactly, the worst. Yeah. Exactly. With that said, Matt, I really like Anthony Black, and you talk about another guy who's more athletic than what he gets credit for. Yeah, and this I, kid, I never understood the like he's not athletic thing. The guy has like 15 absolute posters this year. The Wizards have drafted four consecutive guys that I don't think have won to their career. <laughs> he pressured the rim, Matt. His free throw rate was really good. Yeah. I, I just stumbled across the number the other day as uh, I think it was rim attempts in the half court between mm -hmm. these six guys and what percentages because the SARS is actually really bad compared to everybody else's. But Anthony Black's just attempts was insane compared to everybody else. And so the, the shooting's a worry, but I would buy Anthony Black's shooting form, I think, before 100%. maybe even both of the twins. Yeah, agreed. All the intel is he's an insane kid. I think he's really good defensively, Matt. Same. 
And I always love to give Sam Vecini credit for this because he's the one that I first heard it from the highest feel in the class. So you got some real athleticism with the feel. I think he's a really good player. I think a lot of the things that people pick on with Anthony Black ignore team context completely. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think you could throw both of us out there right now and we would be the next two best shooters around Anthony Black to just spot up in the corners. Like it, it's, yeah. it was a really tough year for them when you don't oh, have Nick yeah, Smith yeah. there consistently. And then he didn't even shoot well when he came in. Yep. And then you lose Trevin Brazil, who might be yep. the actual best shooter on the team as essentially a five for them. And at times you're playing with both Mitchell twins, Ricky Council, who fell off a cliff also when Jordan Walsh can't shoot. Exactly. So so now it's like, okay, guy, the thing you do best is drive and kick to other people. Well, <laughs> now no one is going to, you know, like close out on anybody. So he plays decent that, off the ball too, Matt. He's a good cutter, yeah, offensive so rebounder. Too. And so like, again, a guy that you want to keep the ball in Brad's hands the whole time. Anthony Black, even as a non-shooter, quote unquote, can do those other things. The shot's like a little slow, but I actually sure. don't think it's that bad. I and agree. that's, it's another one where like the guy wants to probe and he can't get anywhere. So he like backs it out and takes a shitty shot. I think it's more selection and context and he's going to get some wide open looks because people are going to go under on screens on him yep. at least early out of the gate. I, I made a very, I think, bold take on Twitter that he might actually shoot better from three as a uh, rookie than Corey Kispert did. So mid thirties. Like, it wouldn't shock me. I don't think the form is so broken that that's a crazy thing. He's going to get wide open looks for people, and he's not going to take five a game. It's going to be, you know, 2.2, three points, three point attempts per game. And, you know, can he can he make a decent percentage of those? I, I think that's totally reasonable, personally. Well, and I think he took way more than what anybody would have guessed this season. Exactly. Like, that's what I think is telling as well. So he ended up taking over two and a half threes a game. And so I wouldn't have guessed that watching the college film. Yep. He averaged almost five and a half free throw attempts a game, Matt. Like this kid just, he pressures. So th that's the thing too. And this, you know, back to Cam Whitmore, this is probably the one caveat why I don't buy the shot as much as I would want is free throw percentage is often used as an indicator for three-point shooting. Yep. Anthony Black was at 71%. That's on the low end sure. for sure of what you would it's, want. It's you good know. enough to project, okay. you know, like... Yes. I wish it was 80 and you could just say like, hey, he's going to knock down catch and shoot. But at yeah. 71 on that volume of attempts, he increased or shot more threes than what you would have guessed. I, I think he's I think for me, for the Wizards, it's between those two guys. And it would be, do we think we're going to blow this up and we want to take this swing that maybe a SAR could be the new face, sure. even if and with knowing there's a chance he completely falls on his face mm -hmm. or. Do we just want to? I think there's a pretty high floor with Anthony Black. I do too. Really good player, connector, can fill a, you know different roles, and it's a little bit of a safer pick. If, if a guy is six foot seven, a reasonable athlete, at least projects to be a respectable shooter at some point, is already like a really good defender, could be a weapon in transition. Yep, and and can get to the rim and get fouled. Like I, I just can't like people keep telling me that he's Troy Brown Jr. or he's Denny Avdia. And it's all these people the Wizards have previously picked that were six foot seven guys that presumably could like run some offense. And to me, that's ignoring kind of the thing he does from day one is I think he'll be like an immediately good defender and transition player. Troy really never had like something he brought to the table at like a high NBA level. He didn't defend anybody. He didn't defend anybody in college. 
So there wasn't even something to look at there of like, well, you know, eventually he'll do this in the NBA. And then he's been a very good um, you know, defensive player right away. And, and I think the offense will continue to get better, but he was never a point guard. Like, I don't care what anybody says, like he would grab the ball in transit or grab a rebound and, and push the ball in transition and make some really good plays, but that's not running an offense to me. And, yep. and we've seen Anthony Black run an offense, um, albeit kind of a flawed clunky one, but you know, he wasn't the GM of that team. That's, that's not his fault. So you put good pieces around him. The Wizards have some shooters. I think he's somebody that could raise, um, you know, all these guys around him up to some extent too. I mean, I'll tell you, Amari Sankofa the second, my co-host of the Pistons Pulse, uh, Pistons beat writer for Detroit Free Press. He, he's he, he, him and I talk all the time. He's like, why isn't it Anthony Black right there with Amin Thompson? Like yeah. what, what, you know, three point percentage is actually probably better. Mm-hmm. Talk about high field guys. Obviously, Amin's a better athlete, but mm-hmm. is the gap as big as what we think? Anthony pressures the rim more tougher competition, like all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And so I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm yeah. just saying if you're cases able to there. make, yeah. again, exactly. I always like to hear other people's cases. I never like to speak in absolutes. Mm-hmm. There's some things if you try to tell me so-and-so, you know, whatever, second round guy is this. I don't know that I can hear that. If you can make a case, mm-hmm. like a reasonable case for Anthony Black in there with the men Thompson, then why not at eight are you jumping for joy that that your team is able to select it when i do prospect features for bolts forever I, I write them as case for and case against if if this guy works out it's because he did these things and this is this is how this went for him if it doesn't work out this is why and then i'll throw in i think it's more likely that it does work out than it doesn't that's why i have him in a certain place but i, I never want to say like this guy won't be good because he can't do x y or z it's just yep. you know like maybe these things uh didn't translate as well or, or whatever. Uh, so, so that's, yeah, I, I would like to not only hear both cases, but present both and then let people kind of make up their mind for themselves. So Jairus Walker, um, Taylor Hendricks, they've both been names kind of floated out there. I think Matt Babcock, uh, who you, uh, were nice enough to put me back in touch with, and we had him on early in the year. I, I threw out Jairus Walker to him with the wizards, just because I thought he was like the ideal guy for Porzingis. And I'm going to totally take credit for that conversation we have starting this. Hey, Jairus Walker is the perfect guy uh, next to Porzingis. But if I'm the Wizards, I, I'm not, I don't care if I'm about to give Porzingis a long term deal. I, I'm not drafting somebody solely because I think, um, you know, that that fit works. I, I guess you mentioned the tier and the drop off for you. Are, are either of them in play for you if you're the Wizards GM at eight? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good spot for both of them, just in terms of, I guess, my board. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have Jarris in play for the Pistons, but I've slowly soured and soured and soured because what happened was I bought the hype of him as this wing defender. Yeah, I don't see it personally. I don't either, Matt. He's more four or five to me than three, four or five. And that's just where I'm at personally. I agree. And I got really excited. You know, you see Aaron Gordon and how he impacted yeah. the finals, you know, and he's guarding so-and-so, you know, and then it's Jimmy Butler. And then I don't see it with Jared. I mm-hmm. watched every single like isolation possession or whatever on Synergy. And there's some good ones, mm-hmm. but there's some he like just flat out can't flip his hips, drop his hips, change direction and stay in front of guys. And I'm like, He's just, I don't, I don't see it. Right. Like there's some bigger threes he's going to be able to, yeah, and I'm sure. not saying he's, 
But to your point, he's then what I say, there's a difference between able to switch two exactly. through five and actually match up two through five. Have that be your five. primary assignment out of the exactly. gate. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so to me, Jarek, Jaris, excuse me, is very valuable as a four or a five mm-hmm. that switches onto Jimmy Butler. I don't think he's Jimmy Butler primary matchup to start every possession. And, and that just limits the upside. It doesn't mean that he's not still a good, exactly. valuable player. Every playoff yeah. team could use that kind of guy. It's yes, just if you yes, can't right. envision him doing more, it becomes really tough to take him with a top top eight pick. And that that's just sort of where I'm at. I wouldn't hate it. I think it's like a guarantee he'll be a good, solid player. The, the playmaking for me is just not really that big of a needle mover. I've never seen a team that runs offense uh, that much out of their power forward. Uh, it's just not a thing that teams do. So, oh, we can put him in the high post and he can do all these things. It's like, will he have the ball enough to do that? If nobody buys the shooting, are they going to like defend him enough to really give a shit if he can pass to other people? Like I, we, We've seen it. Again, not the same player. I'm not making this comp, but we see it with Denny Abdia. Like if someone just totally sags off of you, your creation is even limited to a certain point too. Sure. And if you're not the kind of athlete where you can make them pay for sagging off or hitting them with a full head of steam, like you didn't start the play with the ball, it just becomes that much tougher to do. So of the two, I would actually buy Hendricks more personally, just because I think it's a guarantee he's a better shooter. And and there's a world where the ball handling gets a little better. The field gets a little better. I wouldn't rule any of that kind of stuff out at this point. So I just... They're close to me. I, I wouldn't really want either of them at eight as a team that's likely headed for a rebuild. That's just kind of my own philosophy for that. No, and that's where I'm at with Jarris too. And the free throw percentage is really bad for Jarris, yep. which again, as we mentioned earlier, whether you believe in that or not, if you do, then you're definitely going to have even more concerns about his three-point shooting. Sure. You, you bring up an interesting point with the playmaking and how much it actually ends up translating. I like Taylor Hendricks. Uh, I think he has a super high floor. I think yeah, for my draft digest article, I put, but even as a ceiling, you know, a really good three and D forward, mm-hmm. you know, like it's still, even as a ceiling, I don't yeah. see any. And, and again, I'm glad you said that after I finished what I said about Walker defensively, it's still valuable, mm-hmm. right? I mean, stretch the floor. I think Hendricks even more so isn't this like on ball defender type player. He's more of a rim protector, those type of things off the ball, but there's some intrigue there. And as you talk about the rebuild, I don't know if you got the notification. I just got a a Woj bomb on mine. Wizards and Bradley Bill's agent will discuss trade scenarios as rival teams inquire about the three, about the three time all-star. Whoa. Okay. Uh, No, I, I, I turned all that off while recording. So I'm, I'm glad that you saw that because to be honest with you, I've said this on the podcast a bunch of times here. I, I didn't think it would happen this offseason. He's like 65 points or whatever away from being the franchise's all-time leading scorer. And that's a thing that they've seemed to have cared about and, you know, have like promotions in mind for how they'll market that sort of thing. I just assumed he'd be here long enough to get that. Uh, but but that's that's absolutely crazy. Um so Windhorse is on ESPN saying if it happens, it'll happen by the draft. Wow. Okay. Um, That's and and Windhorse literally just finished saying earlier uh, in the week or yesterday, even that he just doesn't think the value you can get back for Bradley Beal is particularly high. That was part of the tweet as well. I'm reading somebody else. This is like third party now. I'm reading somebody (laughs) else quoting Windhorse on ESPN. 
but that was part of the, the the tweet also saying that people will be surprised by what the value is, but that it would happen between now and Thursday. So to me, I'm like, if you are trying to trade him for anything more than a salary dump, I just wouldn't do it unless you're like all gung ho about like, we just need a total fresh restart here. Um, but, but even then, like, if you know, you're going to rebuild, whether it's now or the trade deadline, why does that matter? And I feel like if you can get a healthy first half of a season out of him, you're going to get more, like somebody will give you some sort of asset for him at the deadline. If they're desperate to fill out the roster, like if you're just going to dump him for, I don't know, uh, Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry's contracts or something and Nikola Jovich, and that's it. Like, I would never do that or Tobias Harris and. I don't know, like the 2029 yeah. top 20 protected first round pick, like those teams can F off. I just, that wouldn't be a thing I'd be in a hurry to do. And I just wait to see if I could get better. And, you know, at the very least you draft someone young and maybe he can mentor him for a little bit. And, and you hope that that changes. That offer is not going to get worse unless he has some catastrophic injury. And maybe even if you wait until next season, it's just not a big, you know, as big a deal for someone to trade for him because there's less years left on the contract at that point. Well, my thing is the market for Bradley Beal, and this is no impact on him as a player, can't be that big, Matt, because... No, well, it's he's, he's setting the market. I mean, when you have a no trade clause, you, you know... The true, yeah. You know, he's now said who the teams that are at play for him are and whether those teams feel the same way. So um, has he, has he, has he, I don't obviously follow sure. all this super, has he named teams that he would be comfortable with? No, he hasn't. Okay. But, but just... But just based on that, like I'm sure his agent has communicated, yeah. if you're going to yeah, yeah. trade us, here are the three teams that are on the table. Yeah. You can trade me to Boston for Grant Williams and a sign and trade and a 29th pick. Uh, you can trade me to Miami or somewhere else, maybe the Knicks or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I just well, don't see you know, him being able to to recoup a lot when when he's setting his own thing. And, and that's the final like middle finger from the previous front office is that they they went to him and said, here is a no trade clause. Uh, like that, that move I crushed at the time and people said, you're overreacting and, you know, he'll, he'll like, he likes the organization. So I'm sure they'll agree to things, but the counter to that, I guess, is star players end up where they want to end up anyway. So whether they have a no trade clause or not, he'd probably still pick his destination. The difference is the team has leverage enough to say, we don't have to send you to Miami if that's where you want to go. Or Philly is probably the other one. Um, the, the fact that they could do something with you gives them some ammo to recoup some things. If, if you get to set your own trade market, I, you know, I think that's the piece that limits his value more than anything. And I think that's where Windhorse is trying to go with that. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I know Keith Smith over at the front office show, mm -hmm. they've talked about this. They feel like this is going to be the summer of the trade because the free agency class isn't exactly yeah. booming. Some teams that are close to what they refer to as the super tax in the new CBA are going to mm -hmm. go ahead and start trying to figure out their books because some of those triggers start this offseason, some not till the next offseason. But you're really hampered whenever you go into the super tax with how you can improve your team. And th they just felt like this is going to be an offseason with a lot of trades. So maybe I feel like this may be the first domino, you know, as, as stuff progresses. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And honestly, it kind of changes the direction of where I wanted to go with this podcast to some extent, because that maybe means that they really are bought in on this particular draft and wanting to do a move now before the draft, recoup some assets, make your own pick and, uh, you know, really just start like your rebuild based on the guys you can get this year or 
or maybe there's a way to attach Beal and eight to move up to three. So that's what, or, that's or what I was going to say. Like is there is there a play? Is there a play to move up? I, I if I'm them, I if you have to move into the top three though, Matt. Agreed. To me, yeah. almost four or five, I guess, would make a little sense. That, that right, it, getting to six does nothing for you personally. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I, I'm with you there. Four or uh, five, my... you can convince yourself are like, you know, front office enough guy. Like uh, this front office would like those guys enough that maybe that's a value for them. So here's where I'm going to push back, not against you, but against yeah, yeah, the sure. front office. Yeah. As much as I said, I like Cam Whitmore. I like Cam Whitmore in Detroit because I believe in Cade and Jaden Ivey. And have the people around him to, to – The dudes. Yeah. Right. I'm not drafting Cam Whitmore to be the face of my franchise. Sure. And do you trade up for someone that you don't think can be the guy to do that? I don't think so. And right. then Amin Thompson, even like that's a real swing. That's either sure. going to hit or it's going to set you back another five years. I don't even know if I'm doing it for Brandon Miller. So yeah. I think it had to be for Scoot. Obviously, you're not getting to one. We all can, we all know not to live in that sure. world. But yeah, like if Brandon Miller goes two and the Blazers don't want to draft Scoot, like mm-hmm. does it make can, can the Blazers even fit that in though between Dame's contract and Beal's contract? And it would be I, Simons and some stuff. And again, Beal has to want to go to Portland. Yeah. Everyone in our fan base has really written that off as being like a non-starter. I actually don't think it's that crazy. Like I'm sure he and Dame have some ties and. Uh, you know, you could play with Jeremy Grant and some other pieces. Maybe they can sell them on that's a team that's been to a Western Conference Finals and you going there and, and playing the CJ role makes you good enough that uh, you could do that. And and that's a team that seems to want to make a move for a star. I think Portland's probably more inclined to trade for someone than to trade Dame. So okay. if you're the Wizards, is, is three and Simons enough to start a rebuild? Um I I would do it personally, I say, but I would, I, my, my gut reaction was yes. Like if you're really moving, if Brad wants out and you're ready to move off and yeah. all of that other stuff, if it's scoots, mm-hmm. like I would not make that deal until pick number two has been made. Yeah, sure. I, I, I just, I flat out wouldn't. That's I, just I, me. I personally but, really like Brandon Miller. I, I he's not, okay. a, he's not a guy I would want to restart my whole franchise around though. If I'm Portland, that's actually the guy I would love. I think he makes a lot of sense next to no, someone agreed, like Dame. Agree, agree. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But they they don't seem sold on that. If 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 I'm the Wizards and I end up at three, I actually think I would take Amon Thompson over Brandon Miller in that scenario, just because like the ultimate version. I of agree him with that. I agree higher. with that as well. Yeah, in, and in, in the scenario we're playing out, I agree. So Simons and Nurkic get you to forty one million, and I think that would get. That would get that, it done. I mean, Beal makes right, 47, yeah. but you don't have to have the full it equivalency be, back. Right? Yeah, right. So. There's 120% or something. I, I, yeah. I'm not good with all that stuff, but I know it doesn't have to be one-to-one. Right. So, yeah. I mean, sorry. Yeah, Simons. I said Simmons. I apologize. Simons, mm-hmm. Nurkic, and number three. I would do that tomorrow. Do. Like, just literally sign me up and let's start this thing over. And and to be honest with you, I'm the wizard. I would actually still keep Porzingis uh, if I were going to do that, um, unless I could... I would try to get him to a long-term deal at as low as possible. If it's three years, 90, great. He becomes tradable down the road, so I'd keep the asset. And if you have to play half a season with him next to your young guys and kind of raise the floor for them, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Man, I like that. You get Scoot and Simons in the backcourt and just – if Simon – like as a starting two-guard in the NBA, he's making $25 million. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a flawed player, you know, but sure. who knows? He's 24 years old, you know, playing – 
he he could instantly get better. Is he that much of a drop off of Beal? Like, is I don't know how many games I don't have in front of me how many Simons played this year, but is seventy games of Simons that much worse than fifty games of Beal if it makes half the money? Um, so as we know. talk through this, then I'm leaning more towards there's no way the Blazers make would it do deal. that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Is, is that where we're landing now? Because if I'm Portland, I wouldn't do it personally. Okay. But um, but so maybe they're that the, desperate to, to do say, something. Th- that's what it is, right? Like we think we can actualize. I mean, just out of names, the idea of Dame and Bradley Bill is a top three backcourt in the NBA, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Dame and CJ was pretty good, and I think Brad is better than CJ. So um, you could get into how much better, but uh, that was the best version of Dame, right? Is next to another guy who could take some offensive pressure and then. Jeremy Grant just has to score 17 a game and play some good defense and rebound and be a transition guy. Like, and assuming it, Shane Sharp's not part of that deal, because you, I don't yeah, think you would I, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's yeah. any world where they would include him. You can't give like three Brad. and Shane Sharp. Yeah, 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 you're giving up three. So yeah, so and Shane Sharp's still there. Jeremy Grant. You go get a serviceable five. Whoever so you have to that find is. a big man, right? right. Portland's they got they got to go find a big man. So do the Wizards. What what are the Wizards picks? Uh, Simon's played 62 games, by the way. Okay. Well, not um, ideal, but they also probably shut that down before they had to. And and yeah. that's and to be fair to Brad, I bet he could have played another 10 games if they'd have wanted him to. So Washington doesn't have any other picks in this in this draft. Uh, we pick 42, 42 and 59 or 57, okay. whatever you want to yeah, call 59. that. So oh, yeah. So um, so maybe you throw them both those guys and you let them take so some. I, I would send. I think you have to send 42. Because there are some bigs in the second grant. Yeah. Like Colin Castleton is a guy that I Done. really, really like. Yeah, he'd be great and for them. He'd be perfect in that scenario. And he's an older player who could probably come in, start right away. And all he's got to do is what Colin Castleton is good. Play drop coverage, move yeah. the ball, pass. Jeremy, Shaden Sharp, Bill, Lillard. Like they'll figure out all the yeah. rest of the stuff. You don't even have to score. Yep. Yeah, just get, get out of the way. Help the other guys get the ball if they need to. And you're great. Can we tweet this out right now? Like we're, we're, we're done. Where, 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 where is our and platform to get this done? We got to get these guys on the phone immediately here. Um, that was yeah, fun. this is fun. I, man, this is going to be a wild off season. I, um, I, I don't know what that deal really looks like. I'm sure as Wizards fans, we're just used to being disappointed. We've had like a couple really good things happen to us this off season with this front office change. So like maybe the mojo is different, but I feel like we probably have to come back down to earth at some point here, and it's going to be like Tobias Harris and. So I said, what's know, the disappointing thing for Wizards fans, Matt? Because we just outlined a top pick in this class plus a young prospect that's pretty good, right? Yeah. What's what's the disappointing return in terms of, let's just say, like is the is the disappointment essentially quote unquote sin contracts and picks down the road like is that like almost feels like a salary dump that there's no immediate impact at all even just just yeah. selling tickets and excitement of a scoot henderson like that that portland deal is so best case scenario i actually don't think it's realistic like I, yeah i i've always said you can't like there's no untradeable contract but <laughs> The fact that someone did something stupid and traded four picks for Gobert, I don't think sets the market for you. <laughs> it's um, teams are going to be smarter and more conservative yep. with where the cap is. So, uh, you know, if it's Tobias Harris and uh, a second round, you know, two second round picks and a 2029 first round pick, I think that might break a, a reasonable percentage of our fan base just from a 
what do you mean we didn't get anything back? Oh, and by the way, the pick we did get back isn't even in this draft. If there's a way to do, a, you know, a, some salary, a promising young guy, and a pick somewhere in this draft, um, it's not going to be top three, but if it's 17, um, that's probably like realistic to me. Uh, but yeah, so worst case the, scenario that's is the salary median, dump. right? Like we're talking about so. the median is. I kind of wanted to go back to the Heat trade because I think the Heat have a mid-round pick this year, but they may not have the young, kind of exciting prospect. It's like Jovic. <laughs> That's the guy, yeah. I think, at this point, and that doesn't really excite me all that much, personally. Yeah, and Duncan Robinson's not a needle mover in that sense. He, he would just be the salary filler, and there's probably no way to trade Beal there without including... Robinson, I think uh, that's just sort of salary. Yeah, like Hero. Maybe you get Hero back, and he's your exciting young player. Can you do Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jovic, and a first? Eighteen. I, I would. I would do that. I'll be very honest with you. I would do it. Um, and you just live with the Duncan contract because you're going to be bad for a couple years anyway. So who gives a shit? Um, and maybe when he's got less years on his deal, you can flip him for something too down the road. Oh, by the way, Portland also has 23 still in this draft. So that would be another pick they'd have to fill, I mean, fill out their roster. Is, is Simons and 23 enough for you to do that if you're the Wizards? Is that more realistic? So and then they could do right. something else with Scoot? So that's where we're talking, right? Like, I think we both agree. The one we outlined earlier, while yeah. fun and exciting and we we, we lined it all out, isn't yep. super realistic. So 23, Simons. Nurkic, I guess, for filler. For salary filler. Is that enough for you to do that if you're Washington? I think I personally would do it because it's you not just a salary dump then. Okay. It's it's a pick in this draft. It, it's close. Maybe you add in something to move the needle. Down the road. You know, a, a, a later protected first or something, and that gets it done. Like, I would, where do I sign? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because like you're saying, at least in this one, you have Simons who you feel like can be a good player with yep. maybe more upside whenever you essentially just give him the keys and he's young enough to still be on whatever timetable you're going to need to to rebuild this thing no i mean so you have a simon's eight and 23 like that's a you're going to sell tickets yeah. right i mean to me then take a sar simon's mm -hmm. 23 there's going to be a young wing with upside like that's what that's that yeah. range of the draft there's a lot of fun wings maxwell and lewis you're a washington wizard let's just make this thing happen yeah, yeah. i'm cool with it I, I i like a guy like julian phillips who really good defensively didn't get to show as much offensively in my opinion at tennessee sure. is what he had derek whitehead may fall now you're kind of getting a lot of guys in the same same position but still like that could be fun at least like now you're fun so I had for us laid out here, Pistons pick at 31, Wizards pick at 42. I just identified some guys that could theoretically go in that range. Okay, and, yeah. And, and that's like sort of the wing range for me. So yes, I had Julian Strother, which has been a popular name with Wizards yep. fans, even though over the last five years, we'd love to joke about how we only take Gonzaga guys. So I find that funny that we now like him. Uh, Julian Phillips, who didn't show much this year, I hated when I watched him, but mostly because I okay. hated to watch Tennessee. So oh, that yeah. was it's me projecting fun. on him. But I've heard that he's like shooting the shit out of it in workouts. So uh, if you really buy the shooting, I think he shot in the 80s percentile from free throw, you know, free throw line. So yep. that's encouraging. Um, Omax, Olivier Max and Prosper. We've got Amari nice. Bailey, and I've got Ben Shepard. He was somebody that mentioned too. Maybe maybe he's not quite in that you know range, but maybe he could be. 
Um, any of those guys that really stand out for you ab- above the rest there? I know you mentioned I'll, you like I'll Phillips. say this. I, I haven't watched a lot of Ben Shepard. You mm-hmm. know, you have to you got to, there's so many prospects you got to, sure. you know, focus in on the ones you can. I know a lot of people who like him higher than that, like okay. not available even at 31. For wow. The Pistons. Okay. A, well, a first round guy really shoot it. So the two guys, a, I'm gonna, he's a wing, right? That was one yeah. of the fan questions we got is, is he a one or a two? I think he's a two or a three. Personally. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, Julian Phillips. I really like Okay, I need to give this comment. I've watched a ton of Julian Phillips film, mm. and I've watched a ton of Omax Prosper film. Okay. So sometimes I have a hard time doing big boards because another example, I watched almost every single second of Jordan Hawkins this season. Got it. Okay. Literally every single second. Sure. You know compared, him the best. So how do you I know him? everything about his game? Yeah. Compared to Jalen Hood Shafino, who, you know, I've caught a couple games here mm-hmm. and there. You know, sure. Colin Castleton, I've watched a ton of film. James Najee, I've barely watched any at all. Yep. So I, I do want to provide that context. I'm, I'm in a very about. similar boat, by the way. Yeah. And, and and you're doing this because you're you're doing scouting work. You know, yeah. I, I'm yeah. doing it because I just like to watch good college basketball. So yeah. if your team sucks, like everyone loves Kobe Bufkin. I hated to watch Michigan. So I know <laughs> almost nothing about Kobe Bufkin. So I'm just sort of out there because I can't speak competently on it. Yeah. So and I, I have some side hustles. So, so anyway. Julian Phillips, I think he's really good defensively. Like, I truly think he's a good defender. I talked about the off the ball stuff and on the ball. He can do both. I watched a bunch of his AAU film. There is more there offensively. I'm with you on Tennessee. I don't think they allowed him to show it. And and that's a part of a bigger debate. Is is it Rick Barnes' job to do that? No. I don't know. I think it's Rick Barnes' job to win college basketball. It would be better for him to keep getting recruits, I think. So so that's that's the context, right? I mean... You want high-level recruit because Julian was going to transfer if yeah. he went back. Julian entered his name in the portal mm-hmm. if he wouldn't have stayed in the class. So that tells you how he felt about he his. Did role it to Brandon Huntley Hatfield the year before. Like the, this, the the five-star, four-star plus guys have not uh, fared particularly well as freshmen with yeah, you know that Tennessee team. And so the, again, that, that'd be a really fun conversation, but not for today. So I do think Julian has more offensive upside as well. Very athletic, all of those things. I love. Oh, Max Prosper. Wow, I think okay. Omax Prosper is going to be a really, really good, fill his role, stick to his role player in the NBA. So uh, here's the question then, Bryce, what is the role? Because like what he did in college, I don't think he does in the NBA and no one's going to play him that way, in my opinion. So what do you see him being? I think he's just an off the ball cutter slash. I, I, I call Omax Prosper a play finisher, mm, like but that. that includes being able to knock down catch and shoot threes. Yep. Sure. Okay. So I don't, I don't think he does anything on the ball, any of that stuff. I don't think he's a great passer necessarily, you know, a little bit of tunnel vision, that stuff, yeah. but cuts at the right time. He's going to be a nightmare on the offensive boards. He's going to outwork everybody in transition. And I think his shooting is good enough to stand in the corner and knock down a catch and shoot three when it's there. Agreed. Now here's, here's where my bias comes in. I love Jordan Hawkins. I mentioned the name earlier. Mm-hmm. I watched every second. I never saw somebody guard Jordan Hawkins better than Omax Prosper. Wow. Okay. If you were able to chase Jordan Hawkins off screens all game (laughs) long, fight through those screens. And they had some big ass dudes setting screens too. Yes. I'm going to believe in your screen navigation. I just am. Yeah. And so that's really caught me for him defensively. He's a hard worker. The intel's insane. He's a great kid from a great family. I think that stuff does matter to some extent. And so I, I just think he's going to be a good, solid player. I would not take him in the first round, but I think as soon as you transition to the second round, 
you like he's six eight, long, active, energetic. Those type of players I feel like are valuable in the NBA off the bench. If he's available at 31 and Detroit needs a wing, presumably still at that point in the draft, he, he's a guy you would feel comfortable taking at that One, point. 1,000%. Now, if Julian Phillips is still on the board, I would take Julian take him Phillips over, over Omax because there's a little more upside. Okay. But yeah, I mean, even if they take Cam Whitmore at five, Matt, I would take Omax Prosper at 31 and feel like, man, I just got younger at the wing position and way more talented. I, I'm of the, I would just take, three and D wings with every pick after a certain point. So I, I, I personally love that. Uh, All right. Now that we've just done the Bradley Beal thing, I I think this makes even more sense. Potentially we had a couple people ask if the wizards either traded back from eight, you know, maybe into the twenties or they traded somehow to get up from 42 back into the twenties. They threw out some names. So I wanted to ask you those contexts, but if the Wizards could now realistically trade Beal and end up with a pick in the 20s, this is just a more natural, uh, more natural fit anyway. So the names I've got here for you are, and and we don't have to spend time on all of them. So just pick any that fit to you. Um, Got Jordan Hawkins. I personally don't think he's around in the 20s, but um, Gigi Jackson, Jet Howard, Kobe Bufkin, Max Lewis. Keontae George, Leonard Miller, and Jaime Hawkins. Okay. It's a lot of names. So I I, I could go back no, to no, them. No, but... no, because no, uh, I, I I caught him. So Jordan Hawkins is the highest on my personal big board of the list. Okay. I'm with you. I don't think he's there at 20. He he To me, he's the best shooter in the class. Uh, I know Grady Dick shoots it well. Some other guys, Bryce Sensible actually shoots it really well. I Hawkins just, is a better movement shooter, I think. It's, it's insane. It's yeah. insane. I think he's really good. I think when he gets stronger, he's going to defend better, provide more other value as well. Sure. Keontae George is interesting. I think Keontae George is great value in the 20s. Mm-hmm. That yeah, kid can really score the ball. I think he can score at all three levels. I loved his on-ball defense coming out of high school. There's a lot of reports that he was playing through a lot of injuries yeah, um, or or through a real injury. An injury I shouldn't say, yeah. yeah, an injury, a substantial injury. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. is another name that yeah. I've really kind of liked and is in same. the same kind of context. I do like Kobe Bufkin. I think he's a really good defender. I'm really interested if he goes lottery because that's where like mainstream draft media has him right now. I think so too. I, for me, the Bufkin thing from what I've seen is I didn't see enough to think this is a guy that's a point guard in the NBA. That's fair. And then if you're not, you're a six, three and a half, two guard. And I've just spent the last decade with one of those and didn't love it all that much. So I just think it limits like what you can really bring to a team if if you can't be more on ball. So that's the only thing that would have me pushing him into like the 20 range. There's some reports that he's taller than that. There's a picture recently of him in SGA. And again, Mm -hmm. pictures, context, all of that. Like there's some talk that maybe he's closer to like six five, six six. Okay, and that would make and, a big difference. And yeah. he's young. I also yeah. want to say that he's very young. Could grow too yeah. for for a sophomore. So just adding this, he's very skinny right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonard Miller is really interesting to me. Yeah, I think I bought into the Leonard Miller is a small big man as opposed to Leonard Miller is a wing. I like I, Leonard it's 100% Miller. One hundred percent where I'm at too. Yes. Yeah. So if you're going to play him as like a four or five skilled kind of athletic, I like that a lot more than playing as your three man who but, can't But really... maybe could guard some threes and exactly. switchable enough and stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't buy the shot at all. I mean, it's Agreed. super flat and yeah. way out. From... Jet Howard. So I just started watching some more Jet Howard film today. I, I'm not a huge fan of Jet Howard. 
I was really early. I feel like he got worse as the year went on. Maybe he just stopped giving a shit when they were bad. I don't know. But um, or was protecting stock. I, I just if if he just I don't know. Bryce, you're a tall man. I, I feel like you're you could speak to this better than I can. But if you're six foot eight on a college basketball court and you play that much, more than two rebounds a game should just like end up in front of you. Um, it's funny. I think people think, oh, just go rebound. It's a real mentality. It yeah. was a real mentality for me. Obviously, I didn't play at the same level. I mean, I played Division One, but not the same conference as Michigan, you know. But it took me till halfway through my junior year for it to like click. Okay. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I can provide value. Like whenever <laughs> I'm doing scouting reports, when I'm sure. anything I'm doing in this world, and sometimes I do get to talk directly to kids. I, I'm the biggest stickler for them going to the defensive boards. Mm-hmm. I will show them film over and over of them leaking out towards yeah. half court or missing a box out or not. Jet doesn't do anything on the defensive boards. I know. Yeah. I don't know that I buy the creation that a lot of people do. In this particular game, he's already in the first half, he's like pick and roll ball handler five or six times. Every single one looked exactly the same. He dribbled to it with his right hand until he could get around the post defender, the big defender. And then drove it with his right hand. And then most of the results weren't even that good. I, I think he's very one-dimensional, to be honest with you, Matt. I think he's a, a, a really good shooter, yep. even off movement. And I don't think he offers a whole lot else, to be honest. I At first, I was like, wow, he can do good dribbling for a big man. Uh, and then it became, well, he doesn't get anywhere when he dribbles. So yeah, does yeah. does that matter at that point? And then again, that's against college teams. And well, how does that scale up? So I would question that also, um, but yeah, that I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him. Is if not, he's like Reggie Bullock, and do I take Reggie Bullock in the top twenty? Yeah, and and maybe th- that I miss on value at those picks at times as well. You know, so like somebody may argue, hey, you get a floor spacer, like not even the yeah. three and D, he's just the three, yeah. but he's six eight, and maybe you coach him up to do the rebounding and stuff. Like I, I, I could be talked into that's mm-hmm. decent value. Yeah. At that place. So I should have made that. I kind of had forgot that we were talking about in the 20s. He's like, that's where he's at on my board. If I have a guy, like if you ask me who's going to who's gonna underperform, I think Chet Howard's probably the yeah. name for me right now. And then Gigi, I would not take Gigi if I only had one pick in the draft. Mm. I, I just... If you had three picks, a little different, right? Like 1,000%. Yeah. Even if I had two, I think I'd be okay with it. But if yeah. he's my only pick, and if I just traded Bradley Bill and it's my only pick... yeah. Because now Gigi Jackson is attached to who for his entire career with the Wizards. He's mm. attached to the Bradley Beal trade. Exactly. That looks, that looks pretty that, rough. <laughs> yeah, I'm not putting that pressure on that kid. Sure. The intel is rough based off what we're able to know. Okay. I'm obviously not super in the know, yeah. but just hearing like, he showed up to workouts and could only go 10 minutes hard or his were slower paced than anybody else and stuff yeah. like that. Some of that can be smokescreen, right? Like sure. maybe the Jazz want him to fall to where yeah. they can take him would, with their third. I would day. say he looks like a chain smoker, you know? Exactly. Like, like yeah. I, I've seen it play out. Like we've seen guys, the, the G League Ignite camp mm-hmm. is so flawed how those guys get invited to then the actual NBA draft combine. Because if somebody shows out at the G League, not G League Ignite, but the G League combine and a team wants him, they're going to leave him off their list because they don't yeah. want him to go to the combine and then show out for other exactly. teams who may have missed him and give them more chances to see him. So it's just, it's all part of this game. And mm-hmm. so there's smoke screens and who knows with that said, I think he's a very talented kid. He's very young. 
I think he's going to be a great pick for the Jazz or the Pacers or somebody in the second round, maybe even. There's yeah. second round talk right now. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the, the last one I have for you, last two I have for you are maybe polar os- opposite prospects here in Max Lewis and Jaime Jaquez. Yeah. I love both for like the exact opposite reason. Um, I, I think Max is the guy that's like, he could be a total bust, but there's yeah. also a world where like he's long as shit and he handles the ball and he could score on anybody. And yeah. He's just bored at a, like a shitty team where they weren't accountable and maybe he defends from day one. And Jaime Jaquez is like, well, maybe he never shoots, but he's going to be an MFer, And uh, that's the guy that if the Heat took him at 19, I would be like, fuck, he's the new he's the new <laughs> Caleb Martin for them. You know, it, so it, it just depends. Likely everybody else them. passes on Jaime Jaquez. He goes there as an undrafted free agent. And- yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's the starting uh small power forward in the playoffs in four years. I'll tell you this. I've grown on Jaime at 31 for the Pistons, especially if they take somebody like Cam. I'm like, okay, you already have your upside young wing who who can grow with this team. Take somebody like Jaime Jaquez to come off the bench and just be a real solid role player. Like you say, maybe the shot comes around. So I think he's just, that's who he is. Max Lewis, I think you explained it perfectly. I watched a lot of Pepperdine early in the year because mm-hmm. I don't know if people know this. They had like three, four other guys who had yeah. an NBA draft buzz. What says a lot this, that they were the worst team in that fucking conference. And, they, and then they just lost game after game. Yeah. And I stopped watching games and just started checking box scores. I'm like, they lost again? Yeah. They lost again? They lost again? So, But he is smooth, man. Mm-hmm. Like He can handle it. He can shoot it off the bounce. There's a lot of offensive stuff there that I really like. And I think you just have to say, I, I mean, I hate to crush coaching staffs or, or environments, but I think you just have to say like, he had no accountability to play defense. And so maybe I, I think the defensive thing is maybe he's just a complete blank slate that you get to, you know, blank canvas that you get to paint with defensively. That was a coaching staff that just loves living on the beach. They were there once before they were happy to come back and just Pepperdine is beautiful. If no one, if you've never been there uh, and I would just want to be chilling also. Um, Those were all guys that people specifically asked us to touch on here for a minute. One that nobody mentioned that I'd like to bring up is Colby Jones. I love Colby Jones. If there's wizards have the 23rd pick somehow I'm taking him and I'm never thinking twice about it. Uh, I guess what, what's your take on Colby? Yeah, I mean, I think he's another guy that I think the floor is pretty high. I yeah. like his game. I think he's a really good defender. And I, I, if they had two picks, I like it. With one pick, if again, sure, a little more swing for the fences. I, 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 and that's just my gut reaction as we've talked to this, right? Like this whole Bradley Beal thing wasn't part of the the, the plan coming in necessarily, mm-hmm. so we kind of stumbled into it a little bit. Yeah, my gut reaction is again. And you shouldn't make decisions based off this, but it's like, man, Colby Jones, and that's all that's all you got for Bradley yeah, Bill. Yeah, I'm with uh, you. I think Colby Jones is a really good player. He's another guy. I, I think for Colby Jones' sake, I'd rather him end up with the Miami. I know we keep bringing yeah, up the Miami Heat, you know, sure. recency by go play for the Miami Heat and be really good, you know, with that team. So I, I was thinking like if you get a sore Thompson at eight. And sure. then okay, you've yeah, got to yeah. pick at 23, like one's yeah. a little safer, at least at least somebody out of that group you know okay, is so, a competent yeah, no, that's, player. That's the context I missed. Yeah, you're still like for some reason I stopped thinking about the pick at eight. Like that's obviously good. not that's not. Going I, I hope it's well. not also getting traded. Um, then we've really fucked up if we somehow lose if you eight. Have to, and if you Bill. have to attach eight to Bradley Bill, then yeah, all of this doesn't matter. It's we're, just, we're doing a lot of things wrong at that yeah. point. No, so yes, I like that a lot better. You put him next to Asar and just a solid guard that defends and let Asar work through his growing pains and all of that. I like that context a lot more. No, that's good. 
this is somewhat pirated from from Sam Vecini a little bit, uh, friend friend of the pod here. So uh, they had a conversation on his most recent podcast just about like, will teams shift more toward taking the Christian Browns of the world? These guys that maybe are a little older, but can be solid and play for day one, especially with the way uh, the new CBA will work. And like, you need to get value from these like really cheap members of your roster. Is it is it easier for a team to say, all right, I'm picking in the 20s. I want a Colby Jones. I want a Jaime Jaquez because I know they'll be solid on their first contract as opposed to Gigi Jackson, where like it may take to his second deal before he does anything for anybody. Do I still want to risk that, you know, in the 20s or whatever, or do I let him fall to the second round and then I give him a two year deal or whatever? Do, do you think yeah. that that will meaningfully change what teams do um, moving forward? And, and does that lead to more old guys getting drafted? Well, and I think the other context of this, Matt, is the Warriors' failure yeah. to play on two timelines at the same time, yeah. right? I mean, mm-hmm. th- this wasn't even a CBA thing. This wasn't a... They tried to have their cake and eat it too, right? They yeah. tried to, hey, we're going to keep winning with these guys, but we're going to bring in Wiseman and mm-hmm. Kaminga and Ryan Rollins and Moody. Patrick Baldwin yeah. and Moody and all of these guys. And at the same time that we're winning championships... <laughs> We're growing the next generation. And I think what's happened is none of those guys are panning out right now. None of them are getting playing time. They just traded James Wiseman for, with all due respect, Gary Payton II. And I love Gary Payton II, by the way. Still, James Wiseman's the number two pick. Number two pick, right, exactly. None of them are panning out. And you're losing game. I I realize they just won a championship. So this probably isn't going to hold weight. But you could have used some real rotation guys at least this season i guess mm-hmm. you know two seasons ago you didn't need it it worked out so i guess maybe i'm wrong here but like you didn't keep this thing going and mm-hmm. and there's not the depth there so I, I think both of those things play in of the cba and then also like this just i don't think it's really hard to do right it, it takes real special organization to make that play out right We've talked about it on here too. And it's usually something that I was like pretty on board with of just taking maybe the five-star guy that didn't pan out in college or whatever and and buying low on them. Kaminga, you know, would have been the number one pick if he'd have come out a year later or something and not reclassed. And you've got Wiseman, maybe, I mean, he still went too, but, you know, he's a guy that barely played in college. Baldwin fell a lot after being a five-star guy. Uh, and then that doesn't, hasn't really worked out for them. And you've got a couple guys in this year's draft with, um, in uh Derek Lively and um uh Derek Whitehead. So it's like two guys from one team realistically, but there are a couple others of just like Julian Phillips is another one. Like yep. maybe we buy low on these people that are um you know uh that that have these huge upsides. And to me, if I'm picking like I love the BJ Boston pick, that's in the 50s. I don't care that, if that yeah. bust. If yeah. I'm doing it at eight or nine or twelve. A uh, little harder to justify. And that's where I'm at with like Derek Lively too. Like someone talking about him in the lottery kind of breaks my brain personally. I think the Lively in the lottery is all about this center class. It being I just guess, trash yeah. otherwise. I mean, yeah. a- after Victor, like I don't actually consider Victor a center. So yeah, he's uh, I mean, I, mean I, yeah. I realize he's seven five. I, yeah, get it, but but like, I think he's spending most of his offensive time on the perimeter. Sure. I mean, I guess defensively, yeah, uh, whatever. He's a center, fine. We can go there. Yeah. Derek Lively is the next best option. I mean, and the guy after that's James Najee, who 
no one hasn't seen played more than 10 yeah. minutes a game. And it's not necessarily his fault. He's playing professionally, but sure. I think it's like the Mavericks need a center. The mm-hmm. Thunder need a center. And so it's like, okay, well, That's if right. we, if we believe they need that, Derek Lively is our best option. So we're going to move him 10 spots up our board. And if we're doing it in mocks, then now we need to match it to our big boards a little bit more because yeah. I can't have him at 25 on my big board, but take him at 10. Right. And so I think there's a little bit of just trying to mesh those things. That makes sense. And because I, I don't know, like I wouldn't take him in the lottery. I also yeah. talk about a team all day that has like 73 centers <laughs> on the roster. So your GM <laughs> might be one that's willing to take him in the lottery. If he though. takes Derek Lively, we riot. So yeah. I, th- I think that would be um that would be rough and that's where wizards fans are with uh like grady dick like if if grady dick is the pick at eight um there, there will be like barnstorming uh over at capital one arena maybe actually maybe not maybe the new front office gets a little bit of slack but but that's one i think that's probably been the like least well-liked uh option as a whole people have talked about grady dick to detroit and not at five but some okay. pistons fans like the idea of hey let's trade back to eight and take mm. grady dick or not like yeah, no thanks. I don't think so. I I think if we just if shooting is that important, like there's got to be a free agent somewhere sure. on the market that, yeah. that we can go get to do that, or we'll just keep Boyan. Like mm-hmm. we'll just keep Boyan. Don't yeah, take. We've Boyan. already got that, that person. Yeah, Alec Burks can space the floor a little bit. You yeah. know, go find another. I get it. If you want to value shooting mm-hmm. that much, I'm not going to disagree with you. But it's not going to be Grady Dick at number six or right. you know something like that. So. Take Seth Lundy at fifty and hope he yeah, does the yeah, same there, thing. There you go. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Bryce, thank you for doing this and pivoting mid podcast when oh, that yeah. came up. I'm glad you were checking your phone because that um, that saved the episode and I would have had to immediately do a, a reaction pod also right after this. But uh, anybody we, we haven't talked about that you want to mention that you think are interesting players for, for either team that you're just, hey, this is my guy. I'm in on him and people aren't giving him enough love. No, I feel like we talked about, I mean, I have like a top 40 board that I put together the other day for a mock draft we did. Mm-hmm. Bilal Koulibaly is probably the hot name, right? That oh, everybody yeah, actually, that, that, no, let, let's do that real quick before we get out of here, because he is like extremely popular with our fan base right now. And it's a guy I like, and theoretically, I like, I, I would still make me a little nervous at eight personally, yeah. but if I could get back to 11 or 14, yep. like it's a no brainer for me at that point. So Adam Spinella texted me one time. I was like, Hey, like, you know, Koulibaly in the lottery is like, nah, that's rich, man. Like, and it, essentially he was just asking my thoughts, you know, he's yeah. like, cause we were seeing a lot. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think that makes sense. I think people are just, you know, they're jumping the gun. And then sure. the more I thought of it, I texted him back like two days later. And I was like, you know what? I've thought more about this. And I'm like, why is he not in the same tier as case Wallace, Jordan Hawkins, Grady Dick, Keontae, you know, mm-hmm. all of those guys, I want to put him above the nine, you know, the, the big three and then the six we talked about to start sure. the episode. If you told me he was going to go at 10, whether it's the Mavericks or whoever, you know, yeah. but if he, I guess like I, I can see, again, I can see the argument. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to, you know, be like, I think the defense is really good, Matt. Yeah. Like agreed. he's in, 18 year old in a professional league and he's the one pointing and communicating and talking and he's athletic and he's a good off the ball. He also cutter. put on 20 pounds probably in the last year and it yeah. hasn't slowed him down at okay, all either. So Matt, that's the thing I turned on the film. I'm like, Holy cow, this yeah. dude is, he hulked up. Yes. He is a man. Like he looks the part on, you know, yeah. turn the film on and right away it popped off the screen to me. The shot is the concern, right? It's slow. But it looks okay. And I've said, I would rather have a slow form than a broken form. Agreed. I think you could 
I, speeding I it up is easier than retooling the whole thing. That's yeah. my opinion. And yeah. some shooting coach, which I am not, may come in and say that's wrong. I would rather start with the foundation of it looking good everywhere else. And I just got to get reps speeding it up. That's where I'm at with it. So yeah, if the Wizards traded back to 12 because the Thunder wanted to do some thundery thing, then <laughs> I would take Koulibaly at 12. I, I, I would be more than happy with that. I, I was even thinking about this. Like if Beal gets traded and Dallas is interested and you get 10 back somehow, would I do it at 10? And I think if... If Anthony Black and all the guys that we talked about liking in that range are all gone by 10, I take Koulibaly and I just move on with my life. And hopefully I have another pick later in the draft here too, but, yep. um, or presumably you'd be having eight and 10 in that scenario. I, like that, I would feel great about if I get Black at eight and Koulibaly at 10, like I'm, I'm that's just, what, yeah, I want to take a Sar at eight and then Koulibaly at 10. Right. It's two, you know, two biggest swings at that yeah, point. But if I could get. Anthony Black, or you felt like Taylor Hendricks was a nice fit there. Like yeah, sure. if I if I'm the Wizards and I walk out of the draft with Taylor Hendricks and Bilal Koulibaly, like I'm I'm feeling decent about it. And if I have black and Koulibaly, you guys are gonna guard the shit out of some people. Yeah, man. that's like a great that. start for a rebuild from day yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, you you may struggle to space the floor for a little while yeah. and score and stuff, but like if you're that, that's the thing with a rebuild, it's a rebuild for a reason, and you yeah. can't address every single issue, you know, not to bring it back to Detroit, but Troy Weaver started to take some hate and, and rightfully so. Like there's been some decisions. It's still very early. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's blown a major decision outside mm-hmm. of maybe Killian Hayes at seven. Not maybe so far right now. With that has not worked that, out very well. Yeah, That is a miss. And th- that would have been a nice hit to, mm-hmm. to hit, you know, hit on at seven. Everything else has kind of just been, okay, maybe he shouldn't have traded Bruce Brown. Is Bruce Brown changing the trajectory of the Detroit Pistons right now? He's unhappy. Because role players like Bruce Brown don't exactly. want to win 17 games in a season. Yep. So my point is, now I lost where I was going to go with that. Uh, gosh, dang it. I, no, like I mean, just, half- just, just, just sort of the general notion of taking guys that are two, two biggest swings, um, you know, late in a first round. Like, like Troy has kind of reached on some dudes, maybe sure. potentially, and. I wasn't the biggest Jalen Duran guy, but looks pretty good so far. I think. Do you double down and also add Wiseman? Like, I think he's just collecting guys that were were valuable assets at some point, and just kind of hoping some things stick. Yeah, uh, two and a half years of this, and I finally lost one as I rambled on throughout no, it, it throughout my point. So, um, but yeah, I, I just I, I think that would be I, I think you something like that. I like Bilal Koulibaly. I I think he's really interesting. But yeah, top nine. I, I don't think I would put him ahead of any of those guys. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. And then I think about well, nobody thought he'd be good enough this year to do that. So if this was <laughs> next year's draft, is he a top five guy? It's like yeah. maybe maybe theoretical upside or improvement in another year is enough. You could get there, but just based on what we saw, I, I didn't see a top six player or something crazy like that no no i i didn't either i haven't watched the new stuff it sounded like he, he had a he was really game. good well actually one of the games he was absolute trash so i yeah, think that's, that's i think he was nobody really good mentions like in, that game but yeah he was really good in the semis and then yeah. i think like the first game in the finals or whatever he, he struggled i think victor actually struggled as well you too, remember so. d boast that played at mississippi state i do uh, not okay he's like a six foot three guard he's like our general age um like D cooked him in one of their games. He was like okay. hunting Koulibaly in switches and is like, okay. but then literally the next game, he already seemed like he'd kind of figured out what to do and, and was much better about it. So I, I think that's going to be the other thing that happens too, is like, sometimes a guy like that will be bad, but how do they bounce back? And it's like, if he learned that quickly, 
Um, you know, that's also intriguing. Okay. I caught my idea so I can finish oh, off my thought. Let's now. do it. Yeah. So with Detroit, it was, oh, well, they don't have shooting. They don't have athleticism. They don't have hmm. this. It's like, and then we would go into an off season and he drafted Jaden Ivey and Jalen Dern and they got more athletic. And then it's like, well, they still can't shoot. I was like, you can't solve every one of those issues in one offseason. If they did, then they would win a bunch of games. And that's just not necessarily how it works. So what I was going with was the Wizards is, yeah, okay, you came out of the draft with Asar and Anthony Black. You don't have enough shoot. Well, yeah, but you solved some new yeah. young talent that's really good defensively or whatever it was, Black and Koulibaly. Then the next offseason, you address, address the shooting. And then maybe you address exactly. this. You know, Weaver came in and the first thing he addressed was the cap. It was Awful. It mm -hmm. was disgusting, Matt. He also had no assets to actually start the rebuild, which was another thing. No real assets. I had to buy out Blake and trade Derrick Rose for Dennis Smith Jr. Then, it, So then after that, it was get some young talent. Obviously, they lucked into the number one pick. That's part mm -hmm. of it. it helps. Then it was get a little more athletic. Then it was get some shooting. You know, so like there's a progression to it. It can't just happen in one offseason. Yeah, I think that's a huge point. And you know, if if you could find one prospect that does all that stuff for you, well, it'd be Victor. And that's why yeah. he's the best generational prospect we've had in 15 years. So exactly, exactly. Uh, Bryce, if people want to learn more about the Pistons and they want to follow a second, not very good team, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Like, I think we're both teams are likely to be in the same position, although you guys will be a few years ahead of us from a rebuild perspective. And I actually really like the Pistons pieces. So if people just want to know about like what that rebuilding process has been like and and you guys just do an amazing job of, of talking about basketball in a smart way anyway. So I think people would learn from it or they want to get some draft coverage. Just please plug all the places um, that you can help people get smarter about learning basketball. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so at Motor City Hoops on Twitter, um, mostly Pistons talk, but NBA draft or whatever. Uh, NBA uh, Draft Digest on SI. So NBA draft content over there. So it's SI.com backslash NBA backslash draft, whatever. If you type in Draft Digest, you'll find it. And then the Pistons Pulse podcast, again, my co-host Amari Sanko for the seconds, the beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, comes out every Tuesday, Apple, Spotify, and we are recently on YouTube. So if you go to the Detroit Free Press YouTube channel, you can find us there. And we record live. So if you just want to get in live, and heck, if you want to ask us a Wizards question, we'd probably pull it up and we'd answer it. So um, we're live. Those recordings vary depending on when we record. But if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be able to find it. You were on a short list of team-specific uh, podcasts that I, I listen to, at least on a fairly regular basis. I appreciate just it. Because it's uh, it's interesting to hear where other teams are at, especially when they're you know in the same conference with us too. So um, Bryce, thanks for doing this, man. I owe you one. And uh, good luck to the Pistons on draft night. We'll have to tag up here in, in a week or so and, and see how this worked out for both teams. Yeah, it might be an exciting night. Trades and picks and all of that. We they're talking about the Pistons trying to get another pick, and so it might be a, a fun night. Maybe our, maybe our teams will dominate draft night, even if they don't dominate the regular season. I'll take it, baby. We'll take what we can get. Yes, sir. Uh, everybody, you know the drill: rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, and uh, we will catch you next time. Oh, and we we're presented by BetOnline.ag. I got to say that, or I get fired. Thanks. All right, bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.